are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome to another Thursday edition of Locked On NBA. I am Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked On Rockets. He is Matt Moore, senior NBA writer at the Action Network and co-host of Locked On Nuggets. And we are here to break down one of the craziest days in NBA in recent memory. Just so much news breaking from like the, you know, the early morning all the way into the late evening with two exciting playoff games of basketball. Matt, what do you got for me? I have spent most of the day just trying to wrap my head around everything because every time I start to focus on one, I'm like, oh, yeah, this other thing happened. And, oh, yeah, this other thing happened. I'll tell you this, Jackson. Today, I think the the franchises of about 10 teams, I think, in the NBA dramatically shifted. Like, the fates of these teams dramatically shifted from 8 a.m. this morning when the first news bomb started hitting through the end of Clippers Jazz Game 5. I just think a lot has been reshaped in terms of what we're going to see from the league over the next couple of years. Just an absolutely insane day in the NBA. I texted, I reached out to a couple of executives around the league that weren't involved in any of this sort of chaos today, just to be like, so the, the what is today? And they all got back to me. They're like, I don't even know, man. I have no idea. I have no idea. Everyone's phone is going absolutely wild. And every 30 seconds, it's something new. Like people are in draft prep sessions, just like hearing someone down the hall scream expletives, like holy, and you know, being like, what, what now? It, it was just a wild day in the NBA. And that was before we got to two absolutely incredible comeback games in game fives tonight. And it, both of these game fives were incredible. We're going to talk about the uh, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, Atlanta Hawks, uh, 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers game here in just a second. But we got to drop this in here. L- got to let you know today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. So stay tuned for our Michelob Ultra moment coming up later in the episode. Now, when we're looking at this game, first off, is my immediate reaction going into this game, Matt, was... Why did Clint Capella have to open his mouth? Because every time he opens his mouth, uh, he gets himself in hot water with the opposing team. And the start of this game, Joel Embiid comes out, puts up, what was it, like 17 in the first quarter, I think it was? I mean, he was unstoppable. He put Clint Capella in the weight room multiple times, just looked like a total force. And I'm, I'm firmly in the camp that I think that if you're if you get a, a healthy Joel Embiid, who's not playing on, you know, half a knee... Uh, I think this series might look a little bit different. I think physically he's looked a little labored at times at the ends of some of these games, you know, just as the physicality goes on over the course of a 48-minute game. But this one, I mean, was this collapse from the 76ers worse than the Milwaukee Bucks collapse against the Nets? Or, I mean, how do you how do you kind of quantify the two collapses? Because we've had two collapses now from these Eastern Conference powerhouses or supposed powerhouses. Yeah, I mean, I think this one's way worse. Like, look, the Bucks got beat because Kevin Durant went superhuman. Like, yes, their offense bogged down. I'm actually working on a piece for Action Network. Like, you go back and you watch a lot of Giannis's shots. The turnaround fadeaway was terrible versus Harden. In general, took some pretty good looks. Like, again, J- Kevin Durant went absolutely ballistic and Jeff Green was a supernova. Okay, the Nets are still pretty awesome, even without Kyrie Irving. The Hawks, Sixers, the Hawks. Like, I like the Hawks. I really like watching them. I, I, 
I bet them in the series plus two and a half wins because I was like, oh, I think that they've actually got some matchup stuff here. You can't lose game five up 26, Sixers. That is not a thing that you can do. Like, Jackson, like, this is probably the end of Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. Like, this game is literally probably going to be the end of Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, even if they get out of the series. It, it was so bad for Ben Simmons. I mean, you you can't, and this is this was my whole, look, as, as the guy who covers the Houston Rockets, right, I cannot understand why anybody comes to me and, and says, why did the Rockets not take Ben Simmons back in a James Harden deal? Cannot wrap my head around it because he is not a guy that you build a franchise around. I'm sorry. He, you know, is a Swiss Army knife that can do a lot, but when you can't shoot the ball like it's just so readily apparent how detrimental he is to this team and how he can be exploited down the stretch of games and you look at you just look at his stat line from this game tonight eight points four rebounds nine assists two of four shooting how do you attempt only four shots as supposedly one of the superstars of your team how do you attempt only four shots in a play in a pivotal playoff game it makes no sense well, like, I'll say this too, like this team, I mean, I've said this forever. This team is not optimized for Ben Simmons. You, they did not put him in the, like they haven't put him in a good position since they got him. And a lot of that's because of Embiid, who is definably better. But the other problem is since Maury came on, the way that this team has been reshaped, it's gone less of that direction. Like I'm not excusing Simmons because like you got to hit your free throws, man. Like you just, I don't have anything else for you. You have to hit your free throws. You well, he shoots. He shoots with the wrong hand, right? So, <laughs> shout out to KOC. Like, you can't have have that happen. But at the same time, like this team is not optimized for him whatsoever. He looks like a guy. He's looked at me like this all year. That he looks like a guy that knows that the team is like evolving without him and away from him. And I think that's pretty difficult for the type of player that he is. I still think he's a phenomenal talent on both ends. I'll say this too. Like, look, the, the, a big part of this game, a a big part of this game was that. For most of the playoffs, Tobias Harris has been there for the Sixers. And the second half, 0 of 4, 0 of 1 from 3, a minus 21. Like, Tobias just absolutely vanished, just disappeared. Because here's what's crazy, Jackson. Like, the the second half starts, and the Sixers rattle off an 8-0 run. They rattle off an 8-0 run. The Hawks only won the quarter by by 4. And then they flew in the fourth quarter, 40 to 19. Yeah. The, and most the, of that was done. Most of that damage was done with the starters. Like it was kind of bleeding. And so Doc puts the starters back in. And I hate to say this, but for as much as everybody was like, oh, they don't care about Danny Green. Maybe they're actually better without him. Like that lineup without Danny Green to provide spacing, it was disastrous. And that was a big reason why I thought the Hawks could get back into it. And I want to give a little, you know, we, I, I don't want to just focus on the collapse of Philadelphia sure. because I do want to give some some flowers to the Atlanta Hawks because, look, they trailed in this game double digits, a 10-point deficit with 4 minutes, 23 seconds left to go. Ben Simmons lucks out, hits one of two free throws at the line, gives the Sixers a 10-point cushion, and then the Hawks reel off a 15-0 run to close the game. Lou yeah. Williams was so instrumental in that fourth quarter, had 13 points, I believe, in that fourth quarter frame. And then just for the game, you look at what Trey Young did. You know, so cool, calm, collected down the down the stretch of this one. Had 39 points, 7 assists, had a board, 3 steals, 10 of 23 shooting. You Maybe maybe you'd like to see a little bit more efficiency out of Trey Young. He At one point, I think he was really struggling. I think it was like four of 16 or something at one point. Uh, but then kind of really 
turned it on when it mattered most and was 17 of 19 at the free throw line. And to me, the the kind of deciding moment in this one was that play where he kind of rocked Thibel to sleep a little bit and then faked him and got him up in the air, drew the contact foul on the three-point attempt and got the three free throws at the line to give them the edge, 105-104. And that was that moment where, okay, Atlanta comfortably has the lead. It, it really, it silenced the crowd in Philadelphia. You could you could feel the fans start to really stress that they were about to lose that game. And I think that was like yeah. the deciding moment. They get that lead and then they pile on a couple more buckets on top of it and it was game over. <laughs> the Sixers were booed after losing game five. Oh man, I, I, City of Brotherly Love my ass. Like just it, <laughs> the fact that anytime the Sixers have a bad outing, I mean, you can count on Sixers fans to hate the Philadelphia 76ers more than anybody else, I think. So here's a big key. And this is something that I've been worried about with the Sixers all year, Jackson, is, is like, look, the Sixers, you know, Embiid's dominant and he's so impressive and Toby's good and, and they've got, you know, Seth Curry for spacing. They still don't have, they still, Tyrese Maxey might get to be this guy. Shake was this guy for a game. They still don't have a guy that can attack mismatches off the dribble. And this is the big key in this one, is that in the second half of this game, Danilo Gallinari was three of three, including a turnaround fadeaway, like dagger late in the game. Only seven points was a plus 24, played 13 minutes, including a lot in that fourth quarter. The reason I mentioned Gallo is, is if you're like, why, why, why does this matter? Gallo has gotten absolutely annihilated in all of his minutes in these playoffs. And you're in game five and the Hawks are sitting there telling you, we're going to play Lou Williams and Danilo Gallinari because we're not scared of you being able to attack us. That's a problem. Like that we are seeing a series goes goes on. The mismatches are getting hunted. They are finding the the pressure points to attack over and over again. And that's happening with Utah and that's happening with um, the Bucks and it, with even or not with even Chenzo with Connaughton. And it's happening. It happened a ton in the Suns Nugget series with Michael Porter Jr. Gallinari is like the pressure point that you should be able to attack. And if you can't do that, you are in big trouble, and the Sixers are, are in big trouble. They can lose this series. This is insane. This is incredible. They're up 26. They're very much in danger of losing the series. And to, to your credit on the, the Gallo point, I mean, if you're able to trot Gallinari out there at the three, which they were doing at mm-hmm. times with, with lineups yeah. with Gallo, Collins, and Capella out there, there is something fundamentally wrong with the, the players that you're trotting out if you're the 76ers, as, right. to, as you illustrated, to not be able to attack that on mismatches and make the Hawks regret running Gallinari out there. But we've got another really exciting game to talk about. But before we get there, we got to talk about our ultra moment. And I, I think... Look, Matt, we've got a lot of great moments to choose from in this day of collective NBA chaos. So, I mean, what are some of the moments that have stood out to you either in this game, in the next game that we're about to talk about, or just even if it's an off-the-court moment? Uh, I got to say Reggie Jackson taking Rudy Gobert off the bounce and finishing over him. Terrence Mann's dunk on Rudy Gobert was also impressive. But the fact that Jackson basically took that game in his hands – while the Jazz were swarming Paul George, like that to me was a pretty big ultra moment. It, you know, you talk about like the joy. Reggie Jackson has believed in himself since he came in this league. Got a lot of grief in the Oklahoma City locker room 
and stepped up absolutely huge for the Clippers on the road. So I, I, I would give it to Reggie Jackson for stepping up big time in that fourth quarter. Yeah, I kind of wanted to give it to Terrence Mann because that dunk over Rudy Gobert. Look, I, I'm, I'm telling you, Rudy Gobert, I've never seen a, a defensive player of the year uh, winner get posterized or embarrassed as often as Rudy Gobert. And I feel like there might be some whiplash for the listeners of today's episode going from David Locke to have to listen to me uh, slandering Rudy Gobert on this podcast. But that's just... Uh, uh, the changing of the seasons for this show. But no, I mean, it, it, that that dunk brought me a lot of happiness. It was just a really impressive play. I thought it was a smart matchup for the Jazz to place Rudy Gobert on Terrence Mann because he's the least uh, established right three-point shooter out of that, that you know, uh, quintet for the Clippers. So it made a lot of sense from a matchup perspective. But in that moment, Terrence Mann takes Rudy Gobert off the dribble, drives it in, hammers it home over him. Really impressive dunk uh, on the way to the Clippers' victory. But, uh, I mean, just like Michelob Ultra, we've enjoyed this this entire slate of games, action, off-the-court news. uh, And at the end of the day, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. So why not enjoy a Michelob Ultra? You can enjoy it only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. Be sure to enjoy a Michelob Ultra as we continue our exciting playoff coverage and coming up we're going to talk about Clippers Jazz and break down what we thought went on in that game and continuing on here at Locked On NBA Thursday he is Matt Moore I am Jackson Gatlin and we've got another exciting pivotal game five a game where Matt I'm going to be completely honest with you I kind of wrote the Clippers off coming into this game did you like with the Kawhi news that so to, to tee this up properly Kawhi Leonard, ACL injury, out for the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no, we don't know. That's I, 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 you know what? I apologize. We think it's an ACL injury. I apologize. I will. I will so, retract here, my here, statement. Here's where we're at. So Shams reports this morning that it's an ACL injury. He does not designate it as a tear. Every injury that's an AC, it's like a ligament injury is going to be a tear of some sort, whether it's unless it's an ACL strain, which I've never heard of. If it's a, a, if it's a sprain, that's a, if, it's a, if he has a sprained ACL, he has a small tear. If he has a torn ACL, he has a big tear. And so the the discussion on this has been interesting because Shams did not deliver the news that he suffered an ACL tear. He said ACL injury. And there's been no follow-up so hey hey well i i said acl injury i didn't say tear so why are you why are you why are you jumping my gun about this okay because i covered i covered my bases you said out for the season and we don't know okay you know you know what all right that's that that one's fair all right i you know what i will i will rescind that statement just like i want to rescind rudy gobert's dpoi but look at this like there's so much like (laughs) nice job by the way like there's so much stuff going on. Like you, ha- like you have to sort through all this stuff because yeah. it's like Kawhi, we, you know, we wake up to another piece of news, which we'll get to in the third segment. And then this Kawhi stuff comes in and there still hasn't been any follow-up. Now I will tell you, like, there is not like the people that I've talked to and, and there's been nobody with like direct uh, and, you know, inside information from the Clippers or direct inside information from like Kawhi. I'll just tell you like, the sense around the league is like, yeah, it does not sound good. Like that's just what's kind of been heard post game. You know, Paul George said, you know, we just we wish Kawhi the best. We hope he comes back. You know, we, you know, we wish him the best is like what he said, which is like not something you said. Like Reggie Jackson commented after the game, like we're gonna hold it down until Kawhi gets back. That's more of what you want to hear if you're a Clippers fan. Is like it's possible he'll come back. But yeah, they go into this game, game five, Jackson. No Kawhi. Raucous home crowd. The Jazz shoot the lights out in the first half. 
and the Clippers walk out with a win. How does that happen? I mean, well, it, it happens because the Jazz absolutely hit a three-point drought. I want to say it topped out at 15 straight misses. I think when I last clocked it, it was 14, and I want to say that there was one or two more on top of that. So I want to say the uh, the top end was 15 or 16 straight misses. They were, I believe, 17 of 30 from behind the arc at the half, and but they missed their final three three-pointers at the half. Then they went 0 for 10 in the third quarter, and then they missed their first two or three threes in the fourth frame. So this is very much one of those regression to the mean type things when you're the Utah Jazz where they shot the lights out of the ball to start. I mean, Bogey was insane in that first quarter. I think he finished the first quarter six of seven from behind the arc. He was on fire. And the problem was is even though the Jazz were shooting the lights out of the ball, they couldn't create the separation from the Clippers because the Clippers – for all intents, I mean, they were having an impressive shooting night as well. They were able, they were basically going shot for shot with the Jazz most of the way. And so yep. I, I think if you're the Jazz and you kind of look behind you and you're thinking, okay, we shot 57% from behind the arc at halftime. We should be up by like double digits, no? And you look behind you and the Clippers are, are right there on your tail with only a five-point lead. Like that's not great if you're the Jazz. Yeah, second half of this game. This is per Seth Park now, my buddy over at The Athletic. The Jazz on jumpers shot five of 29. Just absolutely. And look, a lot of these were, were pretty good looks. I will say I thought, like th- this is kind of the, the interesting question, right? Is And we're, we're faced with this every playoffs. Is it variance? Or are certain guys better made for certain shots? And and in these kind of moments, right? Like, are you a 16 game player? Are you an 82 game player? Like I think Royce O'Neal, as good as he is, is probably an A2 game player. I think they need, you know, and, and like, I thought Bogdanovich was great in that first quarter, but this is always the problem. Like I bet the, the Clippers at the half plus eight, because it's tough. You never know if you're just gonna have one of those games where they just continue to shoot the lights out or if, they, if regression is going to hit them. And the regression hit, I'll say this, Usually if you shoot that well in the first half, you don't, you may shoot badly, but you don't shoot five of 29 on jumpers in the second half. Like that regression was absolutely terrible, but I'll just, I'll keep going with this. You could still win that game if you can defend, but you can't because the Clippers have gone small and they're switching everything, which makes it harder on your offense. And meanwhile, they're spacing the floor and they started to really attack Rudy Gobert in that second half. Like, Rudy, I thought, did a, a really awesome job, especially there was a late possession where he shut down PG and forced a 24-second violation. He was good on the offensive glass. But Batum got a three. Jackson took him off the dribble. Guys got looks by getting Gobert in space off of forcing the switch. The Jazz's inability to get outside of their scheme. This was a game where that really reared its ugly head. They are such a scheme-dependent team. And you saw that when things, they just do not have the counters in large part because of their personnel to play differently. And that I thought really hurt them tonight. It's it's so tough for for a drop big like Rudy Gobert to to be forced to guard you know a, a small lineup like like he had to against the Clippers and so you give credit to to Ty Lue for you know putting his putting his guys in positions to be successful for you know being creative with the lineups and and I I want to you know. Maybe we give Quinn Snyder the benefit of the doubt here, but I do think that you you talk about the personnel for the Jazz. One, I think they're sorely missing Mike Conley. I, I think they're just there were points throughout the game where you look at their 
the decision making, especially offensively, some of the possessions, the shot quality, where maybe if you have that veteran presence of Mike Conley out there kind of steering the ship, calming things down a little bit, that steadying hand, um, maybe they get some better quality shots down the stretch. I think that especially down the stretch of this one, they had so many ill-advised three-point shots trying to felt like they were trying to cut the lead, you know, when when it would it would have been so much nicer to just get a quality bucket. I think like Donovan Mitchell walked up and took like a 26 footer, like, you know, not quite hand in his face, but just ill-advised shot, next possession down. Bogey had a quick shot. Like it was just it was not great shot quality overall, but then there was also that stretch of time where I think Snyder had Niang, Favors and Onian all at the same time. Like it was a brief stretch for like a few minutes, but you know, there's a thing there where you got to figure out your lineups to where if you know you're, you know, going to run your starters heavy minutes and then obviously relying on, you know, heavily on Jordan Clarkson, you've got to spread those lineups out a little bit more because Niang looked really rough in this one. Um, obviously a lot of their production coming out of their top six guys, but I just think that, that those minutes where they had all three of those guys on the floor at the same time uh, was pretty rough for the Jazz. Yeah, and meanwhile, I will say this, like, look, uh, the Clippers absolutely had chances to quit in these playoffs. Down 0-2 to the Mavericks. On the road, down 39-11, to right? Um, had various parts where it looked like things were turning against them. Uh, you, you look at this series, no Kawhi, Game 5, and... It, it is time to credit the man, Paul George, 40 minutes, 37 points, 16 rebounds, five assists, one steal, two blocks, a plus nine, three of nine for three-point range. Uh, PG was phenomenal. Marcus Morris had a playoff career high of 25. He was really crucial for what they needed. He even scored a little bit off the bounce, which that's big for them. Reggie Jackson with 22 points. Um, just really, they they dug in this game. Like this was this was a game where it's like, all right, we're gonna find out what you're made of, and they could have quit, and they did not. And that entire group anti Lou deserves a lot of credit for how they responded, being down after that shooting. Like that shooting barrage could have taken you out of it. You're like, all right, they got five. We'll go back and we'll get six, and we'll try and make it seven. A lot of teams do that, and they hung in there, and they hung in there, and they trusted, and they kept coming back at them. And Paul George led the way, and the Clippers are one game from the conference finals. Uh, Paul George, the first player uh, with 35 points, 15 rebounds, and at least five assists in a playoff game in Clippers history. Now, Matt, to you really quick, before we move on to our final segment and talk about the barrage of NBA news that we were hit with today. Um, does this, uh, you know, a lot has been made about the Clippers and their playoff struggles last season. And, you know, this season they go down 0-2 to start both series, but then they tie things up. You know, things were looking a little iffy this series. Now Kawhi goes down. Does this win carry some weight for Kawhi and his future with the Clippers franchise? Does he look at this win? Or if you're putting yourself in Kawhi's shoes, maybe, does he look at this win and think, does he think differently about his future with this organization, seeing them pull out a gutsy win like this? I think he's just going to make his decision based off of what he wants. Like the, the big thing I'll say this, like given the rumors that have come out of Miami about Eric Spolstra possibly discussing the Blazers job, that's been shot down and said that those rumors are now dead, that those discussions were at least being floated. People were of the assumption that that was being talked about. That was a major suitor for Kawhi. I don't know that anybody's going to give him a better offer than what the Clippers can. And if they make the conference finals, then absolutely 100%. 
like you have to feel like we're there. Like we, we, we got past that embarrassing loss to the nuggets. We were in the bubble. We came back, we battled. I was out and we still made the conference finals past a very good jazz team. Like you have to feel good about the basketball side. Nobody's going to offer him the type of, of organizational control. If Kawhi leaves is because Kawhi is a sphinx and indecipherable and makes his own decisions based off of whatever it is that he wants. But I don't think that tonight was necessary to get him back, but it, it can't do anything but help. Okay. All right. Well, coming up, we're going to hit on our smorgasbord of NBA information and breaking news and all the top stories. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. Look, BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You got baseball season in full swing. We've got NBA playoffs here. You can also do NHL, UFC. I mean, you name it, they've got it over at BetOnline. So, before the next game, head over. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's your chance to finally get in on the action. And you can do that using promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And one more message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Now look, Chain stores and like traditional, you know, online retail, like they, they, you know, they, they change their prices around, you know, they, they give you, if you're a DIY guy, they'll give you one price. If you're a professional, they give you another price, which isn't fair. Rockauto.com has prices that are the same for everybody. And they're always reliably low. Rockauto.com gives you the exact same prices, no matter what, whether you're, again, if you're a do it yourself or kind of guy, you're going to get the exact same price as the professionals, which is how it should be. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything. And I mean, everything everything they need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com right now to check out all the parts available for your car or truck. And the really important part, be sure to write locked on in their How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com and we are rounding third, heading into our final segment here at Locked On NBA Thursday. Now, Matt, where are we? Where are we going first? Do you want to? Do you want to go in chronological order of like when these bombs were being repeatedly dropped on us on this fateful NBA, you know, breaking news Wednesday, or do you want to just go with the biggest story first? How do you want to hit this? How do you want to tackle this? Let's go with like what's more, most immediately important. All right. So we talked a little bit about the Kawhi Leonard injury. I think that one's like the most immediate thing. Um, as we mentioned, ACL injury hasn't been officially revealed. They're waiting on swelling to go down to do the MRI on it. At this point, I would be very surprised if the news was positive in terms of him being potentially back this season. I would be surprised at that, but I'm not... I'm absolutely not saying that it is not possible, uh, but I would be very surprised if Leonard wasn't out for the remainder of the playoffs, which obviously just reshapes everything with the Clippers. But look, they've got <laughs> they've got to get one more versus the Jazz in the next two, and then they got a Suns team that they match up pretty well against, even without Kawhi. A Suns team that is currently facing the predicament of yes. Chris Paul sitting in the midst of health and safety protocols, which as a sidebar, can we talk about the fact that like when Shams does his tweet about how many players have been, you know, have tested positive for 
in the COVID-19, you know, testing protocols. And he's like, one player has tested positive. And we're all like, hmm, I wonder who that could be. Like, it's just that one was kind of funny. But I mean, you look at this from the Suns perspective. They already dealt with not having Chris Paul or I guess, you know, an, an ineffective shoulder ailing Chris Paul in the first round against the defending champion Lakers. Now, obviously, it's a different Lakers team. They had their own share of, you know, struggles, but they held their own. And I think a guy who has been, you know, a bit underrated, who's really held his own this playoffs campaign has held down the fort for that Phoenix Suns team in the absence of Chris Paul. And if they're even if they're missing Paul for the first, say, three to four games of the series, I still kind of like Phoenix's chances, whether it's against the Jazz or the Clippers. Like, I'm, I'm leaning heavy Phoenix, no matter who comes out of the matchup of Jazz Clippers. Well, let's back up. So, he's in health and safety protocols. The assumption is that he test po- tested positive. There hasn't been an official report that he tested positive. Jalen Rose did say on ESPN today, uh, he said on air that Paul was vaccinated. So, if you were curious about that, that part of, of the equation, I and I would have been very surprised if Chris Paul was not vaccinated. I would have been pretty shocked honestly um did never it has never struck me as a guy that would have not been at the forefront of that so my, my takeaway from this is that i'm much more trusting of like these these reports like or at least i'm reading too much you know what you know what's happening is i'm reading too far into them and you keep like hammering me for it because it happened with the Kawhi one and i'm like season ending injury and you're like eh, pump the brakes now i'm like oh well he's gonna miss some games and you're like eh, well we don't even know if he has it yet so i appreciate right. this because i thought the dynamic was i was gonna have to be reeling you in on this show and now you're the one reeling me in so we've got this kind of like flip-flop well, be, going on I just you gotta be real careful when it comes to guys health like they're like yeah. they're just they're very i mean they're understandably like God, everyone's protective about their health so with cp3 um he's gonna get reevaluated evaluated on saturday there is a pretty decent chance that if he tests negative cp3 potentially cp19 right jackson uh there's a pretty good chance that if he tests negative consistently and if the big thing here is the sun's gonna hope the jazz win game six because then it goes to seven which means the conference finals won't start until next thursday that buys him another four days um to get through the protocols if it if this if jazz clippers go seven i think there's a pretty good chance that, that paul's back at least for game two and then game one's on the table. Uh, if the Clippers close out in six, I think Paul's. I think it'd be. I would be a little surprised if he was able to to get the necessary negative test. But I'll say this: we do not. I'll, I, there has not been, to my knowledge, an update on protocols from the league regarding vaccinated individuals that have tested positive and then gone negative, because we know that there's like different different rates there, and so like this is going to be part of the equation that. You'll probably be hearing reports about this throughout the week. Hope we don't know if he's if he's symptomatic. We don't know anything of that. So, like first, look first off, you know, hope Chris Paul's okay. Absolutely. But then beyond that, I'll say this: if it's Clippers, I'm going to have to think about it because of the Kawhi thing. Um, my assumption going into this was they do not match up well to Clippers because of the switch. They match up great with the Jazz because of the drop. If the Jazz get out of this series, I'm hammering the Suns. Like the Suns, I think, are absolutely winning the Western Conference. If it's the Clippers, I really am going to have to dig in and see what they can do if Kawhi is that big of a swing. But you're right, campaigns play well. Booker's been amazing. They can hold it down for a game or so. But this just goes to show you, though, like the season's a mess. It continues to be a mess. And 
that's why LeBron James was tweeting about how much of a mess it is. Like this, just this stuff is as exciting as tonight's games were. I mean, this is just a, a clusterfuck, Jackson. Like it really is with the amount. Of, we have eight All Stars, potentially nine, missing at least one playoff game. Now nine with Kawhi Leonard, or not? It'll be nine with CP3. Sorry, CP3. If he misses a game, would be nine. All Stars at least missing one playoff game. That's a problem. Yeah, and obviously we can't, you know, we're a lot of people have already been connecting the dots between the fact that you know the the condensed off season, the you know the the jam packed schedule, you know, cramming so many games into such a short time frame. That's probably what is at the root cause of so many of these injuries. But the problem is we can't. There's not a way to 100% point to it and say that's the sole reason because at the end of the day. Injuries are unfortunate and they are random at times. And so, but I do think that that's probably a cause, a proponent of why we're seeing so many of them in this postseason run. Because you're right. And it's taking away from from the NBA product. Because at the end of the day, in the playoffs are about seeing the best, most talented players in the world go head-to-head at each other. And we are being robbed of that because of these injuries, unfortunately. But... We've got a few, a few more quick. I can't say quick hitting because all of quick. these, all of these, all of, like we, this. This podcast should be an hour and a half, but it's not. So you know, we've got uh, rapid fire here at the end. I mean, you know, where, where do we even go with this? We've got. Let's do Stan Van Gundy. So uh, I mean, I was just gonna, I was gonna knock them all out, and then we could just hit each one, like just tee them all up and just you know, in succession. We've got Stan Van Gundy out, New Orleans Pelicans. He's gone. Scotty Brooks out, gone from the Washington Wizards. Donnie Nelson has been ousted from the Dallas Mavericks franchise. And then lastly, Lamelo Ball wins Rookie of the Year, which is like that one just dropped at the weirdest time in the midst of all this crazy NBA news. It's like, oh hey, Lamelo won Rookie of the Year, and you're like, yeah, that. I guess like okay in the middle of everything else that's happening like they couldn't like push it one more day yeah i mean right like of all days you slide in the review like let the man celebrate um real quickly heard about the svg stuff last night it was a, a pro like it, it was there was a lot of burbling last night that he was going to be fired um Apparently, it had been a frustrating season for him because he just couldn't practice, so he couldn't get any of his kind of ideas across. Didn't connect with Brandon Ingram. I don't think – I think that there's probably a lot of pressure to get – I'll say this. I think there's a lot of pressure to get Zion into a place where he feels like the organization is heading in the right direction. And I'm not sure he does. I think he's a little bit young to be making those assertions, but I think that's the pressure. Uh, Teresa Witherspoon has been mentioned as a possible candidate. There's a couple of other names floating out there. Um that are going to be attached to the name Jason Kidd's name predictably came up. I would not worry about that. His name comes up at all times. Um, not surprising. The Pelicans just didn't connect. I, I, they just didn't connect with him. I mean, and then we, we go to we go to Scotty Brooks, which you know you look at the the Wizards franchise, and this was something that uh, I think we did. Did you and I talk about this previously? I think we did when we did the one of our. I think we did our first. Locked on NBA, I think we talked a little bit about Scott Brooks and what his future was, you know, with the Washington Wizards. But, I mean, he's out there. You know, where does that franchise go with Russell Westbrook locked down, Bradley Beal, you know, questioning the franchise? I mean, what where, what direction do they take from here? Is a coaching change really going to be what sets them apart? Because from a roster construction standpoint, I mean, I just don't see what where they make make any waves over there in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, so I think... The thing with Brooks, I would say, is I kind of take this as a signal that the Wizards might rebuild. So the thought process with Brooks is 
why would he, they're talking about going younger like Wes Unseld from the Nuggets who'd be a good hire he's gonna be a great coach but if you're doing that can you really bring in a first-time assistant coach for Beal and Westbrook who are trying to win now so I do kind of wonder if the Brooks move kind of signals that the Wizards might be looking for a teardown which would be another you know it'd be like well, how are you gonna move Westbrook's contract well two people did it so we'll see if it can happen for a third yeah, I, don't, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be optimistic about the idea of, of moving on from that one. Uh, seeing as how, I, I mean, I'm still impressed that Rafael Stone was able to uh, finesse a first round draft pick in getting back, uh, getting off the Russell Westbrook contract. But uh, that's neither here nor there. And then we go to our very last one. We're gonna get you know some quick thoughts on this one. But Donnie Nell, I mean, that's just that's. I feel like we can't we can't do that justice in like 60 seconds. I mean. Locked on Mavericks has you covered for all the the craziness that's going on over there with uh, what's his name? It's so foreign sounding. I can't. Uh, the dude, the the ghost GM who's running everything. Come on, Matt, help me out. Har har. I'm gonna butcher it. Oh, Bob Verget Vulgaris. Yeah. There, there we go. There we go. Vulgaris. Okay. I was like, I was blanking on the name. It's been a long day with so many different names. Haralabob. Haralabob. There we go. I, I've said it like four times today, and every time I say it, I'm like, this is such a fun name to say. It just wasn't coming to me. But I've got their ghost GM over there, apparently running things. Luka Doncic is unhappy. Don Nelson's out. I mean, what's going on with the Mavs, man? They, they're, they're yeah. there's a lot of flux over there in that organization right now. There are conflicting reports about whether or not Vulgaris is out. Like, there's there's just conflicting reports. So the, the big report from The Athletic comes out from Tim Cato and Sam Amick about Vulgaris and the tension there, which now pretty clearly seems like Donnie Nelson may have been part of that whole story. And then, you know, Cuban comes out and calls it total bullshit. And then Nelson's fired the next day, right? So there's a pretty clear through line there. But the question is whether or not Vulgaris is out or in, and there's conflicting reports on that. Um, I think what's probably likely to happen is that Vulgaris stays in the organization in kind of his same consultant role, maybe with a different context. Mark Stein reported that Michael Finley, former player is director of uh, player development, is one of the names being floated to maybe take the reins with the Mavericks. It is an unstable environment. And I think a lot of this, the big question here is what does this mean for Luca? Like that's the big question everyone's asking is like, how does he feel about this? Cause Donnie was his guy. And Luca's supposedly going to have a big announcement coming out, right? That was another report. I, well, I okay. That's that a little one. bit overblown. He's, he's announcing that he's playing for the Slovenian national team. So everyone's like making this into that. And like, he's just going to be like, like part of this is I'll just say this. He's going to take the 200 million and stay in Dallas. That's what he's going to do. And I will continue to say that until a player turns down a Supermax rookie extension, I will, when the first time they do that, I will believe it's possible. No one does that. It's guaranteed money. It's the first step. After that, you have all the money in the world. You have $200 million. You can do whatever you want with the rest of your career and your life. You have $200 million, but you got to get the 200 million healthy before you make that, before you do that. So I think he's going to probably, um, I, he's going to resign. They'll figure this out, but they do have to get things right because this is how the NBA is. The clock's ticking, man. They got to get things right and get him on board so that he feels like things are good. 
Well, Matt, it has been a loaded episode, one that we tried to do justice with all of the NBA news swirling about today. But uh, as always, it's a pleasure to be able to sit down and talk to you about what's going on in the NBA. You've also got to check out, if you're listening to this show, you got to go check out the other local pods, right? Got to go check out Locked on Pelicans. Got to go check out Locked on Mavs. Go check out Locked on Wizards. I mean, all these pods are going to have all the, you know, further expanded upon thoughts about all this breaking news. Uh, But for today's episode, that is going to do it. Reminder, you can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin. You can follow Matt on Twitter at HP Basketball. You can follow the Locked On NBA account at Locked On NBA Pods. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. Don't forget to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and the new Odyssey app. Drop some stars, leave a review, and share the show with your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked On NBA. 